Hello everyone, welcome to the Meet, Share and Learn podcast by Global Platform Zimbabwe. I'm your host, Juliana Mokunise. This podcast is focused on youth empowerment, where young people get to learn from leading experts in different sectors, how they've become experts in their different fields. Today we have a very special guest in our midst. It's the Action Aid Zimbabwe Country Director, Mr. Joy Mabenge, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. Very well then. So let's get right into it. Mr. Mabenge, a lot of people know you as Kule Joy. You have been a very strong, influential, resilient and very loud, out there, communicative activist. So being the Action Aid Zimbabwe country director, you have inspired so many people. So tell us, how did you become an activist? Well, thanks a lot, uh, Juliana, and uh, thank you so much for the compliments. In some instances, when you hear yourself uh, being described, you wonder whether it is you. Uh, because many a times, some of the things we do, we do them naturally, we do them out of instinct. And um, you end up somewhere perhaps because of the term you used, resilient. So for me, really, just to share with uh, young people and other activists, um, I guess for, for one to be an activist, there must be that sense sitting with you, that sense that says uh, you cannot stand injustices. So the moment I really can say I... I, I I got to a point where I was mauled as an activist, was uh, beyond, uh, uh, you know, high school education when I joined uh, the university, that is the University of Zimbabwe, around 1996. At that point, you know, being at the university gave you that freedom, gave you that feeling that uh, finally I can speak out, finally uh, we are we are here as a community. I can be part of a community that is regarded as outspoken, and uh, striking a balance between just doing your schoolwork and uh, student activism was never an, an an easy thing. So I was at university during the same time as uh, some some notables like the Pet Lenmo Jongwe, the very vibrant job scholar, Tafazwa Msekiwa. Uh, you know, people like um, Jacob Mafume, uh, Takura Jangaja, a whole lot of uh, other other colleagues and comrades. Now, at the University of Zimbabwe, I chose, I deliberately chose to express myself through students' activism because the space was there and I utilized the space. That is uh, a story for another day, but from students' activism, I deliberately again chose at particular moments in the struggle and history of our nation to participate in certain uh, events and activities, such as uh, when the constitutional movement through uh, the National Constitution, Constitutional Assembly was formed. We were young people, we decided to join that movement and we became part of that strong movement. And when I graduated, I became very, very, very active in the NCA. And uh, at some point, I was recruited by the Zimbabwe Coalition on Debt and Development because I had participated in the Jubilee at anti-debt movement at the University of Zimbabwe. 
which then became the Zimbabwe Coalition on Debt and Development. So I can say my thinking was strongly shaped by Zimcode because that's where I learned to think in a leftist way, to think anti-neoliberal, to think right, to think social justice, to think economic justice. I know I can go on and on and on, but some of these things, I will load them as we go. Wow, thank you very much for that. Um, young people, I think you can all note one thing, the issue of participation. Participation and participation is very, very important, and it's been coming out as Kula Joy has been explaining. So Kula Joy, you mentioned this issue of participation with Zim Codes, right? And looking at how things are nowadays, we have people participating in civic processes. However, there are a lot of injustices that are being made where there's a contradiction between young people trying to advocate or show out their activism, but they're also being linked to going against government um, policies and stuff like that. How can you, what can you say about that? Can you comment on that, please? You know, Juliana, the first thing really is, uh, you know, in activism, one of the biggest challenges is that we all want social change. We all want things to change for the better. But very often, not so many of us are willing to be the change drivers that uh, we should be. Very often, many people want to be free riders. So they want somebody to do it. They want a group of other people to do it, and then they become beneficiaries. They want other people's children to be at the forefront of persecution, at the forefront of prosecution, and then they be the beneficiaries. But you see, one thing with activism is that it works if it's a game of numbers. It is good to have an individual at the forefront. It is good to have uh, uh, loud-mouthed people. It is good to have uh, really people that can speak truth to power. But activism itself, the delivery of social change, is a function of numbers. Therefore, the thing we are using, participation, is really, really, really important. The moment you tell yourself that I must be part of the social change that I want to see, it is at that moment that you realize that it is important to participate and it is good to be an activist. You know, so many a times, there are moments you feel so good when you see a very small, a very tiny change in people's lives, even if it is for a particular group of people, for a very small section, it can be so satisfying to actually associate yourself positively with some change that would have happened. So really, I do think that young people must be encouraged to actually participate in uh, uh, matters that really do have an influence over their lives. Now, you know, the, the, the matter of the, the fact of the matter really is that uh, for young people, for instance, to expect older people to drive the change that we want to see really is, is, not quite, is not quite possible because older people see things differently from how young people see things. So really, if young people do not participate but still expect older people to be the change drivers, we will forever, forever, forever be a disgruntled lot. We will forever be a lot that just complains and complains and complains. Now you spoke about um, uh, the association of activism with uh, uh, opposition, the way you put it, or anti-government. Now the reality of the matter is that activism very often, especially if it's activism that involves speaking out, 
it is it is a matter of them and us when we speak out we speak truth to power we speak truth to power in a manner that that seeks to influence the shifting of power shifting of power from high concentration from those that have so much power to those that do not have so that the discourse itself is leading towards redistribution the discourse itself is really is leading towards recourse the discourse itself is leading towards justice now the assumption in every society is that those that have power be it be they individuals in government be they in society be they big business those that have power often do not use it for the for the for the public good or for the benefit of those that do not have power therefore it is anticipated that if you are an activist power does not quite like to be challenged so if you are an activist and you are speaking truth to power you must expect the consequences that power does not like to be challenged therefore power will also come for you but like i said there is not much power in this world than the power of numbers so if we are many speaking out in one voice even if the very huge powers that we are talking about want to come for us as long as we are convinced that what we are saying is right i do not think that it is easy to defeat a united people wow thank you so much for that informative response i think from what i have noted that as you said activism is a function of numbers and it's a drive for social change so for us then looking at this issue of the generation gap where we have the older people and younger people it's a matter of power shifting power where those in power are now finding it difficult to just let go of that power so that makes us move on to the next question um that has got to do with the generation gap So as a long-time activist, what changes have you noticed in the way activism is being done nowadays than long back? Thanks again for that, Juliana. So here is the starting point for me. So when I became an activist in the um early 90s, even at high school, when I chose to become an, an activist then, I was inspired by our forefathers. I was inspired by those that participated in the liberation struggle. Now the liberation struggle in our context as Zimbabweans is a very very important epoch in our history that we cannot easily push away because it spells the reason why I can speak to you like this, why we 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 always strive to have democracy in our society, why it is very important for you know us to continue struggling for freedoms now those that fought, that fought for us were inspired by the need to ensure that there is universal suffrage you know one one person one vote they were inspired by the need to ensure that there was social justice there was independence there was economic justice economic emancipation and uh, and everything that goes by now that is that was a generation that generation fought using guns that generation fought using ideology that generation mobilized through what we called chimwidos these were community people that did not necessarily have to hold the gun for them to participate in the liberation struggle that generation mobilized through other means they mobilized through trade unions they mobilized through the workplace they had their own means of mobilization now for us in our generation of uh, activism we strongly bor- borrowed from the liberation struggle ethos themselves Number 1 we knew that we had to be ideologically clear. 
Now, being ideologically clear allows you to know exactly what you are struggling for and what you're struggling against. It allows you to be very, very clear about uh, the change that you want to see in an ideological fashion. Now, for us, uh, during our years, there was no internet was there, but access was so limited. We did not have, and when I say during our years, I'm talking about the mid, the early to mid 90s, there about even to early 2000s. Uh, we did not have Twitter, or we did not know about it if it was there. We did not have many of these tools that young people of, of today are using to mobilize. We used other means at the university, for instance, to mobilize. So we knew uh, you would develop somebody would develop a poster, and then you needed people to walk around with that poster and throw it in the walls of residence to mobilize people. When we mobilized for the vote no campaign in 2000 under the National Constitutional Assembly in February of 2000, I know exactly where I was stationed. I was stationed at the corner of 2nd Street and, and Herbert Chitepo. Then there was a, a CBZ opposite. There were buses that were traveling to Mashonel Central, meaning they would go to Glendale, they would go to uh, Howard, they would go to Indura, they would go to Mount Darwin, Shamva, ETC. We stood there, me and our fellow activists, young activists, with a small table and a bunch of flyers. We would take the flyers, put them in a bus, in anticipation that people in the bus would, would read them, but the bulk of these flyers would then be deposited at the different bus stops where the bus would pass through. And then people would pick flyers and read, and actually know the, the, the reasons. We were articulating 10 reasons why you must vote no to the constitution that we thought was not people-driven. Now, these days, you do not need anyone to stand with flyers. You just develop your flyer, you put it on WhatsApp, and many people have access. The point I'm making now is that that has is, that is led to fundamental changes in the way we mobilize ourselves. And it's a very good change. However, one of the challenges that we now have is that people can easily be satisfied by throwing a flyer on Twitter. A flyer on Twitter does not necessarily get people to do what they want to do. They can read, but what is needed is, you know, an extension of that so that people can really be mobilized and really take action. So a flyer on Twitter, for example, is not sufficient to define a protest. However, it is a mobilizing tool that we can use. So the point I'm making now is for us to say, let's bring together what has been brought by the uh, you know, technological revolution and the methods that were used in the liberation struggle, the methods that were used post. Bring these together and young people can mobilize around big issues but also using modern day tools and also ensuring that, uh, you know, beyond digital activism, we can also keep on pushing to ensure that the change that we want to see is a change that we, we can see. So it's not a bad thing, really, that we've moved from one generation to the other. But we, keep, we need to keep learning from, um, you know, what the generation that I spoke about first did to our generation of the 90s that did not have so much of access to the digital world, to this generation that is abandoned access to the digital world and also even access to the internet itself as a mobilization tool. We are good to go if we can bring this together and really mobilize young people, especially towards positive social change. Let me just also say that there is, there is also a possibility that uh, 
uh, the internet and the digital world can be abused. Let's use it for positive social change. Wow, thank you so much for that rich response. I can't say you have a very rich memory too. You still remember things from back then. Thank you so much. And young people, I'm drawing from what um, Kula Joy just said. There's an issue of inspiration. So just think of who inspires you as a young person. Who do you look up to? Who is that leader, that person in the society who you really want to see yourself becoming in the near future? And just to take note from what you also said, um, the differences that we're experiencing between the their generation, the older generation and the younger generation has got to do with ideologies. So how are we struggling? What is it that we are facing that is different from what is happening back then? And the issue of technology too. Young people need to stop becoming keyboard activists only. They need to be more active on the ground to advocate for positive social change. Thank you so much, Mr. Um, Mr. Joy Mabenge. Now moving on. There have been a lot of gender equality issues being raised with regards to activism. So most women are less aligned to political activism and they say it is not a safe space. So what's your take on this? How can more women participate in activism? Thanks, Julia. That's a very, very important um, uh, issue you are putting on the table there. The issue of safe spaces for women to participate more so young women and just to reiterate this it's a, it's a it's a point that we all know one of the challenges that we have is um, is around patriarchy you know the reinforcement of patriarchy in many of the institutions that drive politics that drive the the need for social change even institutions that really drive humanitarian work there is a huge issue around deep seated and deep rooted patriarchy and this has made it very difficult for women, more so young women, to participate. Now, imagine uh, in, in, political, in political spaces, we have had um, moments where our women have been labeled names, unprintable names. Names I can't even repeat here, some of them that uh, start with an H in Shona. It's so disheartening. It's so disheartening. It's really disencouraging yet you know we are all convinced that we must we must create a society that is equal a society that has equal opportunities a society that has equal access a society that also recognizes that uh, indeed women for a very very long time have been subjected to inequality have been subjected to terms and conditions really that make it difficult for them to to pro- progress, yet women are really the backbone, the bedrock of our society. Can you imagine, as I am talking to you right now, let's not even go into political parties or other spaces. As I am as I'm talking to you right now, the reason why you can easily talk to me during a lockdown is because I do not have the burden of care. If I were a different person, if I were a woman, Perhaps during this conversation there would have been two or three interruptions because I must talk to you as a woman, but at the same time the little one wants porridge. At the same time, the father of the little one is expecting me to have prepared breakfast for them. 
at the same time, I am also expected to begin to think about what we will eat in the afternoon and at night. And at the same time, I'm also expected to clean the house. So much of unpaid care work. Now, you can imagine coming out of that um, that setup, going out there and even facing a bigger animal called patriarchy in political society, in civil society, in government and everywhere else. Really, I must hasten to say that uh, I do not have a solution, but young people must really do a lot working with, uh, working across generations to ensure that the agendas that we, we have been pushed by uh, women, so much of the brave women we have in this country, also joined by men, for instance, men organized under some ambits like Padare Men's Forum on Gender. These agendas that we have around the need to ensure that we deal decisively with gender inequalities, create an equitable society, create societies where women can freely participate, create safe spaces for women to openly participate without being jeered, without being called names, without being, uh, you know, discouraged. It is a struggle that we need to embed in our activism. It is a struggle that we need to continuously push for. Because I do believe that uh, uh, women can do it. It is just a matter of ensuring that uh, we, we, ensure, we, we create the spaces. We also ensure that the spaces that we create are safe for women to participate. So really I would keep pushing and say, and say some of us as well as young people must really take this push seriously, pushing back against patriarchy seriously as I believe that uh, it is something that uh, at least will see the activism we are engaged in making sense. Thank you so much, Mr. Mapenge, for that. This is actually a topic that is quite um, intense for me. It's very crucial because I'm also a gender advocate. So looking at how you actually mentioned some of the struggles women are going through, I can see that you're also um, acting towards gender equality. So thank you for that. Um, young people, from this you can see that Patriarchy is a major problem in our society. Women are subjected to too many terms and conditions, so we have to try our best to include women in each and everything that we do. Thank you so much. Now, moving on. Mr. Mabwenge, as you started your journey as an activist, what were some of the challenges or major criticisms that you faced, either from your friends or your family, and how did you overcome these? <laughs> Thanks, Juliana. Um, so I will start from the from my days as a student activist in the 90s. I was very fortunate that uh, when I went to university, I still had uh, what of my parents alive, my father and my mother, although they are both late now. But um, it was good for them to see their son go to university. One of the things that gave me freedom was that uh, we went to university during the era of grants, meaning uh, all you needed to do was to attain the necessary or the requisite uh, points. Then once you were admitted into the University of Zimbabwe, which was state, one of the only state universities then, once you were admitted into the University of Zimbabwe, the state had the responsibility to see you through your education as long as you played your part, which meant you also had to, you know, pass every stage 
and proceed. So I went, I went to university during the era of grants. The university, the government would give us a grant and uh, it would be sent to the university through a particular system. The university would deduct the tuition fees and then the balance would be uh, deposited into your student bank account is what they called payout. And uh, that payout was enough to take care of uh, me as a student and also here and there do a few things for my siblings. Now, when you joined students' uh, activism, students' politics, chances were you were going to get expelled. Chances really were you would get expelled. So my parents always worried about the possibility of uh, uh, their son failing to see through their education. It was something that worried them very much. But also, beyond expulsion, you know the police here can beat the hell out of you. So just the fear that you would be beaten to the power by the police really kept uh, my own parents really worried. Now from parents went this extended to relatives and I, as I said to you I chose to be an outspoken person I speak out on radio I appear on television I do opinion pieces in uh, newspapers I am one person who cannot keep my mouth shut so even after I graduated now let's face the reality here for so many years we have, we have lived in uh, the era of authoritarianism, some call it dictatorship. Now, in an era of authoritarianism, you can be beaten up, you can be arrested, you can even be disappeared. My friends, my relatives, my parents, everyone, one of the biggest fears, I wouldn't call it a criticism, one of the biggest fears was you are going to be disappeared, you are going to be arrested, you are going to even my own immediate family after I created my own family. What will happen to your own children? What will happen to your mother? What will happen to your father? How will they withstand this? But you see, the thing is, if you choose to be an activist, there is a price to pay for it. Others have, have paid, this, have paid the price through death. Others have paid the price through disability. Others have paid the price through uh, being gagged. Others have paid the price through being arrested. Others have paid the price through being closed out of opportunities. I've often said to myself, I would rather die doing the right thing than continue to live with a co an empty conscience. A conscience that tells you I am doing the, the wrong thing here. Humanity will not forgive me. History will not absolve me. You continue to do the wrong thing and your conscience is clear and you continue to live. I've said to myself, whatever the circumstances I find myself in, I find peace, I find happiness in the fact that I truly believe that whatever I've done over the years, whatever I continue to do is for the common and public good. It is the right thing to do. Therefore, criticism or no criticism, I have remained resolute in terms of the need to keep going. As you can imagine, I just spoke about those that are around me. There are people out there 
who do not want anyone to speak anything about injustice. There are people out there who spin anything and everything that an activist to say they are sponsored. They have been sent by the West. They are puppets of the West. They do not believe that we can actually think for ourselves, argue for ourselves, and uh, really get uh, uh, things done. So yeah, it's a difficult struggle, but uh, we will continue. Thank you very much, Kilejoe, for that response that you gave us. And I'm pretty sure you were talking about the issues, the challenges that you have faced, the criticisms, and you also mentioned stuff that is still happening right now because people are afraid of practicing this activism because of fear of being beaten, exposed, and abduction. There are a lot of things that are making young people not really want to participate in activism. But in your own words, what can you say is the most important thing, like the reason why young people should be activists? Because in my own social setting, I have noticed that young people, that is people between the ages of 15 and 20, they are not really up for activism. So what can you say about that? Why is it important for them to be activists? Thanks a lot, Juliana. And I'll... I'll... I'll once again start from where I had ended. That it is not an easy thing to be an activist in an authoritarian state. It is not an easy thing to be an activist in a society where rights are not guaranteed. Any forms of rights are not guaranteed. However, that does not necessarily mean that people uh, should shun away from uh, activism because it is activism that is going to bring social change. It is activism that is going to make those in authority realize that they must do something for the people. They must do something for young people. They must provide for young people. Nothing comes on a silver platter. And if you, if you got my thinking and my reasoning from uh, when, when I spoke about um, what inspired me to be an activist, the very same inspiration that uh, our forefathers had when they when they fought in the war of liberation. The very same, you know, inspiration that Pan-Africans had. When our forefathers fought, they were young people. You know, the current crop of leaders in the 50s, 60s and 70s were young people. The very same young people that uh, many of us are now. And they did not have to wait for anyone else to take it upon themselves to fight for them. They had to fight for themselves. They had to define the issues. They had to define their mandate and they had to execute it. Now the the point I'm making really here is that the present and the future belongs to young people. If young people in Zimbabwe are known to be a minimum of 65% of the population, and when I say young people I'm talking of those between the age of 15 and 35 are known to be a minimum of 65%, surely it can only be the young people themselves that can drive the social change that people want to see in our lives. Therefore, I can only but say, I do not want to sound as if I am saying young people must recklessly go on to the front line of the struggle in order for them to be butchered, in order for them to be abducted in order for them to be arrested, in order for them to face all forms of rights violations and abuses. All I am saying is, within what the law provides, within 
what is permissible. It is possible to, to push social struggles. It is possible to actually use the digital space. It is also possible to use the small spaces, the physical spaces that exist for self-expression to actually push for positive social change. So really, we can only inspire ourselves and be the ones that are going to be driving the social change that we really want to see so that our leaders can do the right thing, but also more so so that we create a base for the delivery of social justice, the delivery of economic justice, the delivery of political justice, the delivery of human rights per se. It is the best that we only can say, can, can say if we are articulate about the very base that we want, if we are articulate about uh, alternatives, alternative economic models. If the economy does not work for you, for instance, as a young person, just instead of just complaining, activism also says that you must invest in thought leadership and develop alternative economic models that you can also give to those in power and say, you are in power, we think that this is what works for us as young people. It will be up to them to listen or not to listen. They will be judged and they will be judged harshly by young people and the greater populace if they do not listen and if the alternative models that young people put on the table are the, young, the models that really work for them. Young people are brilliant people. They have so many ideas. It just takes putting them out there and it takes a listening ear, especially on the part of the duty bearers, for them to actually be able to take that on and assist in uh, ensuring young people can also live the dream that they want to live. But after all we only said and done, young people must prepare themselves to lead themselves and to be the change makers and the change drivers in society, particularly in our own society. And as I said, it is not an easy thing because the most difficult thing is to be an activist in an authoritarian society. Wow, wow. Thank you so much for that, Quilla Joy. Thank you very much. Um, as drawing from what you said, you say that young people are the drivers of social change. And this issue of them using alternative strategies or alternative models, it requires one to be very creative. So I'll say that creative activism is also important as young people try to, to um, show off their activism skills more and more. Now, drawing back to your position as the Action Aid Zimbabwe Country Director, um, what can you say has been the most challenging task um, with dealing with young people? We know of the activista that is there. What has been a challenge within that particular group where you as a leader have seen some problems within that sector? I'm not sure if you understand that part. <laughs> I, I think I do get your question. And thanks, Juliana. You know, um, young people are an integral component of our work. They are a very important constituent in terms of um, Action Aid delivering our mandate. And they are the most active component. Young people have so much energy. Young people have so many ideas, trust me, very brilliant ideas. And uh, in some instances, dangerous ideas too. So managing young people's expectations in a cosmopolitan 
organization. In an organization that must deal with, um, for example, older and uh, I'll use this term older and vulnerable, although the correct one might be excluded. But let's let's say old and vulnerable uh, people in rural areas that may not really language that is pushed by young people trying to strike a balance between Mbuya in Chendambuya and a young activist in Eben Mutare or even in Gweru or in Blawayo Harare, anyway where we operate and of course the expectations of because Action Aid also survives at the behest of uh, uh, the government itself and balancing with uh, expectations for instance of um, the system the government itself it's never an easy thing because in most instances we see injustices we want to speak about injustices we see difficult things that are so hard to live with for any anyone with a conscience happening in our society young people are ready to speak but the language that young people sometimes do want to use is not a negotiation language it's like a hard course created direct language so moderating uh, you know conversations moderating approaches moderating expectations managing uh, you know our very brilliant vibrant young people and entities like uh, activista and ensuring that you strike a balance that uh, creates a whole and full organization is not an easy thing but as a leader one thing i've learned is listen keep listening listening listen to all constituencies keep listening strike a balance and make things move you would know that uh, you do not want to put anyone into a vulnerable position you do not want to make any of your constituencies vulnerable so it's about striking a balance between you know the different pieces of work that we do in our in the expectations of young people that we value so much and work with and who are actually a big constituency in, in what we do but after all is said and done i must actually say that the constituency of young people is not an unreasonable constituency is not even an extremely difficult constituency all they want many a times is to be kept abreast of what is happening is to be listened to is to be afforded the space to express themselves is to be afforded the space to represent themselves and uh, also to be afforded that space to do uh, what they think is right and good for uh, the organization um, thank you very much, Kula Joy, for your response to that question. And from what you said, I think the issue of listening and also striking a balance between the different stakeholders is a very important skill that one has to have in such a leadership position. So thank you so much for that. Now for the final question, I'd say what are your final words to the young people who earnestly look up to you? Well, um... Thanks, Juliana, really. It's, it's also self-fulfilling to learn that there are young people who actually look up to you. Um, what we can only but promise is not to disappoint. 
but just to also let young people know that the journey some of us have uh, traveled has not been an easy one it is a rough path it is a very long path it requires patience it requires resilience it requires uh, being resolute it requires commitment so many things will happen along the way that are meant to break your spirit so many things will uh, happen along the way that are meant to entice you so many things uh, will happen along the way that are meant to isolate you so many things uh, will happen along the way that are meant to make you lose confidence that are meant to make you look stupid that are meant to discourage you but i can only but say it is important to stay the course it is important to know and understand what you want and stand by it it is very very important to be principled it is really really important to be resolute it is really 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 important for young people to know that um, when you choose to stand on a particular ground although we do not say that everyone is uh, anyone can really be said to be 100% morally correct morally upright and everything else but it is really really important for us to do things that are beyond reproach you must shun corruption you must shun many of these things that would tarnish your name so that when you speak out it is possible for you to say something that can be listened to because you are not at the forefront of breaking your own rules or you are not at the forefront of being the person that does the opposite of what they say if you want to call out corruption in society you cannot call out corruption if you yourself are corrupt you cannot actually speak against injustices if you yourself are at the forefront of uh, driving injustices so in as much as we are all not very straight up there straight up as in straight up as people we should keep trying so that we also live live lives that are exemplary to make it easy for people to listen to us when we speak otherwise thank you so much for this opportunity and i do hope that uh, young people will pick one or two things that will make sense to them and looking forward of course to another conversation which which might be a rejoinder to this one thanks a lot juliana for hosting me thank you very much mr dream of thank you so much for giving us a clear insight of what it means to be a leader and an activist at the same time so young people you've heard it yourself be resilient determined strong committed and adaptive to the changes in the different circumstances you have and know your goal be focused on what you want to achieve as an activist so this marks the end of our meet share and learn podcast for today thank you all for joining us and stay tuned for the next episode